0: And welcome our internet audience, would you? So glad you all are with us tonight. God bless you. You may be seated. You may be seated. Wowzer. Hey, Pastor John. Good job tonight, buddy. Um, Pastor John's been with us how many years? It's like 40 or something. Was it? 22 years. And when he first came on, the model. The model has changed as far as praise and worship. It used to be, you know, when we brought him on, it was one guy behind the piano, you know, and just singing and lead. And so for many, many years, he was singing and leading. And then you add on, you add other singers, you build a band, you do different things. And now we're, we're, we're mentoring and developing more and more worship leaders. And I tell you what, God has blessed us, has he not? And I'm just so so grateful. But um, we have, and he's off tonight, but Tom Rowe, is you just have no idea Tom's... He's a legend, okay? Uh, Disney and beyond, seriously. And um, so to have Tom Rao at the keyboards every week is just an amazing thing. So Pastor John, not there as often. And uh, and I'm listening as a musician. I'm listening tonight. He had a lot of work to do, bro. He had a lot of work. And and I just want to say good job handling all that tonight. So... Amen. All right. Well, let's get in the words. Is that good with you? We're in a series called Believe. Believe. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and break this to you. We're going to continue this series into next year. Okay. And what are we doing? Well, how long has how a series got to be? <clears throat> it's all connected. Okay. But what we're doing, it is important that we as believers know what we believe, know why we believe that, are able to articulate that in some rational ways. And so we're going through systematic theology. Don't let that scare you. We're digesting that out, you know, uh, systematic theology and doctrine and staying, you know, we are in a... Talk about this in a minute. We are bibliocentric. The scripture is the center of this, and, and that's where we get our information. That's where our authority is in there. And how many know that the Word of God at times is in, in our culture is trying to be minimized and devalued? But um here's the thing: one day that is the standard for everybody. Everybody will answer to this to the standards of God's word. And uh, God's word, let me just remind you of this, there's no substitute for reading God's word. I know there's Christian songs and Christian TV and Christian books and blogs and and all of those things, but there is no substitute. And thank God for all those things, but there's no substitute for reading God's word. Amen. And what we're doing is trying to break it down so we understand and can tie some things together. Before I forget, um, next Wednesday night, everybody say next Wednesday night. We're going to have a special guest. We don't have guests that often, uh, but Mylon LeFevre is going to be with us next next Wednesday night. Mylon is um, precious to us. Mylon is also, he has a role in my life as a big brother and um, someone who cares for my spiritual well-being. And, um, you know, and I want the church to also have relationship with Mylon. So Mylon will be coming in. If I can twist his arm, might even get him to sing a little bit. But um, maybe I'll put him on the spot. Maybe we'll do it that way. Uh, but he'll be ministering. And Mylon just leaks the love of God, okay? And so um, you are going to really be blessed. Uh, Mylon and Christy be with us. And then holding them over for a staff meeting as well to minister to the staff. So that's next next week. All right. All um, right. Concerning belief, we're, we're slowing down for a few weeks here. Jesus is the center of what we believe. He's the culmination. He is the embodiment of what we believe. And Jesus is also the master teacher. And so, as I said, we're bibliocentric. So, you know, scripture, Bible, a center. And then based on that, we're Christocentric, which is Jesus as center of that. Okay. So if you can get the Bible right and get Jesus right in the right place in your heart in your life um, you're in good stead okay you'll be able to you'll be able to make it through this mess called life and earth and then be an eternal reward as well amen and so um, Jesus being the master teacher it is it is fitting for us to take a number of weeks and we'll probably do this close to the end of the of this year looking at some of the things that he taught one of the richest most concentrated places that Uh, scripture in the gospel holds that he taught is the sermon on the mount and we find some of that in luke 11 we find it in matthew chapter uh, 5 6 and 7 and so we're going to look at we have been looking at a number of things a number of his parables as well Um, remember this and this is important that his major central context was the kingdom okay and we're going to be talking about the kingdom of god more and more so you can understand that do you know where the kingdom is do you know where it is? It's in you. It, it's in you. Did you know where you are? You're in the kingdom. Um, and it's a mystery, but it's incredible. And, and we're going to bump into a few things about the kingdom tonight, but um, that's what everything's about is kingdoms. And there's a kingdom of light, God's kingdom, and there's a kingdom of darkness. Everything else are sub kingdoms. Uh, anyway, Jesus' central context was the kingdom. Look here in um, Matthew chapter nine. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the help me, of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And then the Apostle Paul, and we established this last week as well, the end of Acts 28, the very end of Acts 28. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house. Remember, he was actually captive. Remember the whole boat ride to to Rome and the shipwreck and all of that. And then after certain things happened, he was allowed to live in his own place. He received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God. And teaching the things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. He had complete freedom to do that. So he was centered up on the kingdom in Jesus. And I think you and I need to be centered up on the kingdom in Jesus as explained to us in in God's word. So going back to the Sermon on the Mount, and we teach on this every so often. uh, It's important that we understand some things about this. But I want to talk about the Lord's Prayer tonight as it's called. The Lord's Prayer. And uh, most people know it. I'm amazed that the people know it. You know, I I have done funerals before. How many of you know some of your family you, you hadn't seen in a while shows up for the funeral? How many of you know in some families not everybody looks and dresses the same? And I've been at some funerals before and people showed up and I'm thinking, we're, we're honoring somebody who just passed and they got they got, you know, t-shirts on and, you know, I'm with, I'm with this dummy, you know, and, and I donated blood or they want, they want a free shirt or what, you know, and it's like, I'm not sure they're connecting with what our event is here today, you know? And, uh, and then it's kind of customary, traditional graveside a lot of times to do the Lord's prayer. And I'm just amazed at the people who, I, I didn't think they would have any clue, uh, you know, can recite the Lord's prayer. But I want to break it down a little bit for us tonight. There is some misconception about what it is. And we're just going to kind of go through and break this down. Now, in, when it is presented in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 11, the disciples had just said this. Now, don't miss this. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. It's interesting to me that they did not say, Lord, teach us to preach. They said, or, or any number of other things. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And I believe it's because of this, and this this statement is big to me. Jesus went from place of prayer to place of prayer to place of prayer with miracles in between. And I think they saw that, and they said, The thing that is common that is making all of this happen with this inbreaking of the kingdom is Jesus went from place of prayer to place of prayer. Often he withdrew himself to be alone with the Father and to pray. They heard him pray, they walked up on him praying. Uh, he led them in prayer. Um, and you know, there were times where he prayed out loud on purpose, you know, so that people could hear how he prayed outside Lazarus tomb, for example. And so I think that's why they said, Lord, teach us to pray. I think that's a good prayer for us to say is Lord, teach us to pray because of what prayer actually does. So this is how he began to unfold how to pray. And, um, Matthew chapter 6, let's go ahead and read this here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. It says, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And and let me go ahead, because some of this may rub you just a little bit, because you probably learned it in the King James Version. Most people did. And I'm reading from the New King James, okay? And it it is a little more scholarly, and I don't want to upset anybody. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And the church said, amen, amen. Amen. So Jesus gives us this, and this is important here. Jesus did not say, pray this. There's nothing wrong with praying this. But this, that's not what he was doing. They said, teach us to pray. He said, okay, just pray this. He said, pray in this manner. And he gave a guide. He gave a template. He gave kind of a pattern uh, that we would, we would follow. And, and what it reveals to us, two things here. It reveals simplicity and power. Simplicity. Everybody say it, simplicity. And Power. And that's incredible. And I, and I just want to say this and make sure you get this if you don't get anything else. Don't clutter and complicate prayer. Don't clutter and complicate prayer. You don't have to be a scholar to pray. You just, you just don't clutter and complicate it. And so Jesus laid out a template, a guide. This does not even include all aspects of prayer or types of prayer. Um, intercessions not in this prayer confession of our own sin is not in in prayer there's numerous other aspects of prayer that are not even included in this what he's trying to do is to get you going can I tell you the best way to learn to pray there's a one-word answer pray just pray and he's just wanting to get you going and make sure of a number of things here and so let's break this down as as we go here Um, I need to say this too he said this in Matthew in the in the, uh, in the setting of the Sermon on the Mount he said it in the context of the empty prayers of the hypocrites and the heathens so in that context he's, he's saying don't pray like them look, look at this in Matthew 6 uh, verse 6 through 9 in the message here it comes now Matthew here it is this is in the message, so it's a paraphrase, but it just gives a little punch to it. Jesus is speaking. This is just before he starts the Lord's Prayer. He said, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with. And he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. Our father in heaven. And then it goes into it. That's that's pretty powerful, isn't it? So let's start out here in Matthew 6, verse 9, just simply this. Our father, our father. Everybody say our father. Father. This relational context is key. And God put it, Jesus put it right up front. Fifteen times in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about our father, our father. And hear me just for a moment here. All of us Hear hear this. Sometimes our view of our heavenly father is skewed or limited by our earthly father. Okay. And if the, and if dad's sitting next to you, it's okay. He knows it too. And he knows that about his own dad, you know. And, you know, I have tried my whole life to be the very best dad that I could be. But the more I grow and learn, you know, I feel like I want to go back and have a sit down with each of my kids and say, you know, dad tried his best but I wish I'd known this and forgive me for that and if I could do it all over again I'd do a little more of this and a little less of that you know, and I just think that at the end of the book of Malachi when the hearts of fathers turn toward their children hearts of children turn towards their fathers so hearts turn but heavenly father father you know, sometimes, and I've, we've ministered to people over the years, they have a hard time trusting this father because maybe some things with their earthly father. And I just got to tell you this. Pray for your earthly father. Release your earthly father if he, if he failed you. And know this. This is someone else. This is God Almighty, and he's perfect, and he's holy, and he's loving, and he's kind, and he can be trusted. And he won't fail you. And he, he will make good on his promises. Are y'all hearing me? And so I'm thankful that this is the start. And that's where you just got to start. There have been times, honestly, when I start prayer. Father, and I just get choked right there. Just with the revelation of realizing, you're kidding. I can call you Father. You're the creator. You're the redeemer. And I can call you Father. And so this is huge. This relational aspect of this is key to all of this. He goes on to say, "Our Father, hallowed, hallowed." How many of you used that word this week? <laughs> Probably not. It's an older word. It really, and, and you know this. It means holy, revered, honored. But hallowed be your your name. Your name, would be your name. Now get this. Technically what he's saying is, would be you and everything about you. Because if you'll read the Bible as a narrative, and it is, you will find that God, don't miss this, God reveals himself and all that he is by his names. And, and we'll perhaps later on do a, a, a whole series on the names of God. And there are his redemptive names, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sidkenu. There's all these different names that he has. He's the Lord, our healer. He's the Lord, our righteousness. He's the Lord, our peace. And he reveals who he is in his names. And so when we say hallowed, honored, revered, holy is your name, we're actually honoring him with an awareness of who all he is. And it would do you well to... Study and understand more of all who God is. How many of you know that God is a provider? How many of you know that he's a counselor? A shield. A protector. Um, a healer. Uh, you can go on and on of who he is. He's eternal. He's perfect. He's holy. He has no peer. You know, and we just have midterm elections. Listen, he, he's not up for reelection. He's not even appointed for life. It's forever. It's forever. And, and just does you well to think about that and to ask God to give you more and more revelation concerning that. And then your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Everybody just say that. Your kingdom come. This is powerful. We touched on this just a moment. What is kingdom really? It's, this is a mystery and this is super complex. For our purposes and what it's talking about here, kingdom has to do with a realm or a place where God rules. So when you or I say your kingdom come, I'm wanting that my life or this place or whatever to be a place where God rules. Because it's where the king rules. Kingdom. King's dominion. Okay? So where he rules, where he reigns. Don't you want that in your life? Don't we want that in our church? Yes. Do we want it in our town? Yes. I don't know if we can pray that. Can we? Yes. What about our state, our nation, yes. our world? And, and, and listen to me. And one day, everybody say one day. One day. He'll rule over everything. Yes. He'll rule over everything. Again, it's kingdoms. Everything's about kingdoms. Kingdoms. But see, what we are praying, and we need to pray it from earth and from our life and from our situation. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. And remember this concerning the kingdom. And this, this is kind of hard to say in just a few moments because I only have a few more minutes here anyway. Your kingdom come. The kingdom is perfect and complete and entire. Look at me for this though. But it's not completely manifest here. This does not compare with heaven where it is totally. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. heaven. So it's not here. It, It is, this is what we know about the kingdom. It is more and more present. And what we find about the kingdom, the kingdom is in breaking, it is breaking in. To our life and to wherever we would God give God rule. And so when we pray things like this, your kingdom come, your will be done. We are inviting, we are inviting your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. I want your, this to be a place where you rule my life, this church, my neighborhood, my house, this community. Your kingdom come. Now, some people in, their, in our minds that we're thinking, well, that's not going to happen because of politics and government and this or that. You know, I'm just inviting more and more of God's kingdom to break in. Amen. 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 I'm not going to stop. No matter what we see, your kingdom come. And then get, get this part of it as well. Your will be done. Now, get this. On earth as it is in heaven. Quick question. On earth as it is in heaven. How is it in heaven? I think it's this way. How is His will, His purposes done in heaven? I think, first of all, without question, without hesitation, and cheerfully. Let that be in our lives as well. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth, right here, right now, my life, my situations. I want this to be a place where you rule and your purposes happen. Amen? So the first half, and I'm just going to zip through the second half, and perhaps we'll take a little more time on this later. The first half of this model prayer is God's honor, God's kingdom, and God's purpose. The second half now, and we're going to go into this real briefly, has to do with finding a place of our earthly needs. How many of you have any needs in your life? Okay, And and it's all of us. Let's just look at this quickly here. He says, give us this day... Our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Part of it has to do with just acknowledging where do you go? Who is your source? That's what this has to do. Now, in a literal sense, this has to do with daily provision. And it means give us from day to day. This is his ongoing care and provision. It has a literal rendering in one of the commentaries. Give us today our bread for tomorrow. How many of you know that God's working on tomorrow? How many of you know that God's always ahead of us? Okay. And so stay in time, stay in tune, stay in step with God. Don't worry. I said, don't worry. Remember that in the same context, uh, same sermon on the mount, a little later on, he talks about our heavenly father takes care of birds and flowers and who? And you? And which one's worth more? Y'all are weak tonight. Who's, who's worth more than birds and flowers? Okay. And squirrels? I got more squirrel stories, but we don't have time tonight. But, you know, I'm, I'm just telling you, you have to know who your source is. And trust God from day to day to day. I want you to pray today. Start your morning. Know that God is ahead of you today. God is already into tomorrow. I don't know how far God is ahead of us, but He is working on your provision. He is, by virtue of the word provision, it means to see before and to take care of it. Provide, provision. He sees and He works ahead. He's the God who sees. And he's ahead of us. And so give us this day our daily bread. You just need to know this is the big thing. God is my source. Everybody just say that. God is my source. And then I'll just run over these. Forgive us our debts. Well, as we forgive our debtors. Here's, and there's a lot more to this. Um, As we forgive and we will forgive because we've been forgiven. There's several other scriptures that talk about the fact that just as he has forgiven us, we are to forgive. Um, There's a couple of scriptures we'd have to go really deep into. So if I don't forgive him, I'm not forgiven. Okay, I'm not going to handle all that tonight, except to say this. What he is saying is do not, you do not break the flow of forgiveness. Quick survey, has God forgiven you? We sang about it tonight. We celebrated it tonight. I am so forgiven. How about you? And who are we then to stop the flow? Remember the one parable where you talked about the guy owed a debt? And the master called him and he said, pay up. He said, I don't don't have it. Would you be merciful to me? And he forgave him of the debt, a massive debt. And then he's released. He received this incredible forgiveness he's released and he sees a guy on the street who owes him just a little bit lunch money and he chokes the guy pay me what you owe me and the guy said the same thing that he had just said you know have mercy on me and he said and he didn't have that mercy and so word got back to the one who forgave him and let me just put it this way bad news (laughs) bad news okay Here's, here's the deal. We won't get into all the stuff. You've been forgiven? Yes. Forgive. Yes. It's an accounting term. Whenever there's debt, it means something's off. So something has to be made right. And what we tend to do is we want to go to the one who made it wrong and make them right. And sometimes they can't make it right. They're dead. They're gone. We don't know where they are. I can't find them on Facebook even. <laughs> so they must have vaporized. And so we're, you, you're going to make this right. You're going to make this right. Well, you know what? Sometimes they can't make it right. There's some things that are gone, gone, gone. There's money gone. There's opportunity gone. There's innocence that's gone. There's all kinds of things that are gone. And what you have to do, and we're not approving them, we're not applauding them, we don't have to throw a party for them. We can let them go. We can let them go. There's a lot more on that, and we have to live a life of forgiveness. Don't stop forgiveness and then uh, do not lead us into temptation now how many of you know god's not going to lead you into temptation more accurately what the saying is lead us around lead us away from temptation god knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and james 1 we know this too that and here it is let no man say when he is tempted i am tempted by god for god cannot be tempted by evil nor does he himself tempt anyone so temptation is not from god And he knows how to deliver us from temptation. And accurately in the language, it's not just deliver us from evil. It's deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. And then we end up with this. For yours is the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. We'll go ahead to yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Right there. Amen. Amen. Okay, now I'm going to break some of your hearts here. This is not in the older manuscripts. And you'll see notated in some way, if you have a center column or a reference Bible, you're going to see that this last part is not included there. It doesn't hurt it. It doesn't take away from it either way. But a Jewish prayer, this is a doxology. A Jewish prayer without doxology, you're not going to find it. So in the fourth century, editors and translators added this in. It comes from several places in the Old Testament as a pattern of what they would do. And I think it is always appropriate to say yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory through next Tuesday. For how long? And then after that? Amen. Amen. And it's forever and ever and ever. Now we've given this just a light treatment tonight, but this is what I want to get back to. This is a model of simplicity. This is a model that if you'll just slow down, you don't have to pray this prayer. I know know there are traditions that they have to pray it exactly like that. No harm done. Just make sure your heart is in it when you do it. Okay. Don't do it like I've heard it, my brother and I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and it just goes. And it's like, you know, we, we could have been reading the phone book with more passion, you know. But put your heart into it if you're going to do it. But use it as a model. That's what Jesus meant. And just slow down on it. Just slow down on it and just think. I mean, you can get stopped by word too. Our Father. Woo! You know, and just let those things sink in. It is a model of simplicity. It is a model of how to connect with the power of God in something God has set up for us called prayer. Now, as we close tonight, let's just go and we're going to read it all together, okay? And uh, then we'll just end, end with that tonight. In this manner, therefore, pray, everybody with me here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Amen, amen, amen. Did y'all get anything out of tonight?